We, uh, we're in a series that we started last week, and I had a little trouble this week, because last week, I basically preached this week's message, because the challenge is 500 neighborly acts, or 500 acts of blessing, or 500 acts of hospitality uh, through now, now through June, because the, the, the consistory and the ministry staff met uh, in last February and believed that God is telling us that this is where he wants us to head in the next several months, and um, so I got done in all those examples that I used last week, and then this week is about a challenge to bless three people per week. Um, and so there's in your bulletin, if you look in there, there's a sheet, and I believe it's the salmon-colored one. Is that a color? Salmon? Okay. Um, with just ideas from the pastors and ministry staff um, of, of ways that you might bless people. And Pastor Greg got his to me bef- uh, after it went to print. So they, there'll be an addendum of about 900 other things next week. Um, uh, but that, you, you'll, you'll be able to tell when you look at it. These aren't, this is not rocket science. You're more than capable of coming up with ideas yourself. Um, we just want you to, we want to challenge you to have, to ask God for his eyes for people and for his heart for people. What makes, Lord, show me this week what makes you smile or show me who needs some encouragement, that kind of thing. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at a couple of passages in scripture, one that will be up on the screen. Uh, but let me just tell you, this is a rhetorical technique they teach you in uh, preaching school. Um, sometimes you, you tell people what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, then you tell them what you told them. Okay, I'm not doing that today, but I am going to tell you how this is going to go. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story, then I'm going to quote a song, not going to sing it. Trust me. You will bless God that I don't sing it. Um, and then we'll say a prayer. And we'll read some passages. I'll give you the challenge. Uh, one, one piece of the challenge in particular. Uh, and then we'll, we'll close it off and we have one more song at the end here. So uh, here's the story. Years ago, this is way, this, it's like 95 or 96. You could probably tell when the song came out. Uh, but I was driving down 7th Street um, going to, I think it's, no, it would have been 9th Street. Um, going east, going to class at seminary. And uh, it was February, it was starting to snow, and I was in a country music phase uh, back before I, I, I got a virus that caused me to lose all my hearing, and then some of it came back. And since then, listening to the radio uh, song, sometimes there's just weird sounds in my head that, that, so I don't really listen to music that much anymore, but I love lyrics, and I do read lyrics. But, but I was in a country music phase, and I was listening to this song, and there's it, it, only two that I know that I've ever heard on the radio that, that made me emotionally change or made me cause an emotional response. And the first one was this. It's called Don't Take the Girl by Tim McGraw. So I'm driving down the road and I never heard the song. And it's a story of a, of a little boy whose dad's going to go fi- take him fishing, but he invited some little girl to come along. And he's like, take this guy or take this guy, but just, just anyone, just don't take the girl. Later on, he's teenage years, he's dating this girl and they're in a drive-in movie theater and someone break, you know, comes up and kind of assaults them. And he's like, take the keys, take my wallet. I don't care. Just don't take the girl. And then later he's married to this woman and she's giving birth to their child and she's in danger medically and he's crying out to God, Lord, whatever you got to do, but don't take the girl. And so I'm hearing this and I didn't see this, this end thing coming. You know, that's what's good about a lyric. And I'm, I start welling up. Then I start crying. And I mean, there's stuff coming out of my nose. I'm driving my little Nissan truck and I'm like, (laughs) meanwhile, Tim Brown, who's the preaching professor, and it's his class I'm going to. He's walking down 9th Street, and I'm pull, I'm pull over to, you need a ride? It's snowing, and he's obviously going to be late for the class that I'm almost late for, and he gets in the car and goes, what is wrong with you? I heard this song on the radio. 
So that's the story. Um, so you, I do have a heart. Um, the next one that got me, same artist, same, different composer, but same artist. And um, I'm just going to read it for you. And you'll, you'll, it'll be familiar to you. But um, said I was in my early 40s and a lot of life before me when a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at x-rays, talking about the options and talking about sweet time. Then I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the real end. How'd it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? And he says, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I love deeper. I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I've been denying. Then he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said, I was finally the husband that, I, that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. All of a sudden, going fishing didn't, wasn't such an imposition. I went three times that year. I lost my dad. Well, I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. And then I went skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I loved deeper. I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness that I've been denying. And he said, someday I hope you'd get the chance to live like you were dying. Here's the beautiful thing about what, as Christians, what we believe is that we're, we're not going to die. Yeah, physically. But we're invincible and immortal, according to God. Not a thing can happen to us without the will of our Father in heaven. Not one thing. The day you die will be the day that he appointed for you before you were ever even conceived. So if you had a chance to do it again, how would you behave differently? It's, it's, not, it's not about legalism, like you better do, better do, better do. It's that, see, the, the gospel, the, Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. And so you do have a chance to do it again. So are you loving deeper, speaking sweeter? And are you give forgiveness, giving forgiveness that you've been denying? Are you living your life in such a way that shows people whose you are? That's the story. That's the song. Let's pray. Lord, this is not my message for them. It's your message for us. So I ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear. And give us hearts to receive whatever it is that you have for us. We're supposed to look up, to lean in, and to live out. So help us see what you're doing. Lean into what you have for us. And live it out however you call us to live it out. And Lord, if there's something I plan to say that you don't want said, I don't want to say it. So wipe it from the page or strike it from my memory. But Lord, if there's something you want said that I haven't thought of, I want to say it. So make, me, make it clear that it's from you and I will speak your words for your people today. Pray these things in Jesus' name through the power of your spirit for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Now, a little background. We're going to read uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Um, 19 through 25, but one of these verses is one of my favorite in scripture, and it feels a little awkward to say that I have a favorite because if it's all the revealed word of God, um, I, should, I should love it all the same. But there's this one passage, and it makes me think back. Uh, it, it, it's uh, 1023, and it says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And the reason I love that is the picture I have of holding unswervingly to the hope we profess um, reminds me of being a kid sitting on my dad's foot and my, both my kids did it too. You know, when the kid sits on the dad's foot and they wrap their arms around their, their leg and he drags them around the kitchen floor or something like that. And um, it's it just, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. And yeah, okay, dads love it too because, you know, you drag them around. But after a while, 
it kind of gets to your hip, and you're like, okay, you got to go to bed. Um, but there's just that, that sense of it's safe, I'm solid, and I'm not letting go. We have hope in who, who we are because of whose we are, and we don't, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be concerned, but I want you to watch what happens, what comes right after that verse. That's the one we're going to be concentrating on today. And there's a, just a little little context for the book of Hebrews here um, before we read it because there's so much here and there's so much I could say about sprinkling the hearts and the, and the curtain and so much stuff I could say, but that's for another day. Uh, but basically what it is, is uh, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people were set aside by God for thousands of years to be a beacon on a hill, to be a lighthouse for, for all the nations to see and know who God is because of them. And what happened over those, those uh, millennia is they, they kind of crafted a way, and we do this too, but they kind of crafted a way to make it that God came to bless us for us and not for them. It was never God's intention, but that is kind of how, how religion works. It kind of it circles in and makes it about us. Jesus came, God with skin on, he came to say, no, 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 that's not what it was about. It was about you showing them who God is and how much he loves them. That's what it's about. I chose you to be a reflection of me to the world. And so these Hebrew people are Christian now, but they have this long-standing history of being people that are focused on themselves. And so the author of Hebrews is trying to say, remember who you are, whose you are. Remember the blessing that, that has been given to you, and it is for others. And as the book progresses, the author makes his case, but then there's this little segment that we're going to read today called, uh, the heading is a call to persevere. And I find it humorous that it's a call to persevere because it doesn't look like anything bad is really going on. I mean, there's some stuff going on around the world, but, but really right here, this call to persevere has more to do with because you've been saved, be this way. It doesn't, it's not talking about persecution. It's not talking about getting whipped and imprisoned. It's not that kind of stuff. So here's how it reads. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as we say the day approaching, let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. Now, sometimes as, as, as Christians, we kind of get this, we kind of get it, it's all about us. You know, we start thinking that, that, that God came to make our lives better and make our lives easier. And so we can take that verse, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds on how we might be a blessing to one another. And we need to do that. But God's intention from the beginning of time has always been that his people will represent him to people that don't yet know that God adores them. The whole gospel message starts off with glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people on whom God's favor rests. God favors people, period. For God so loved everyone that he gave his own one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's not about us. And we talked about this last week, that Christianity is not about Christians, it's about Christ. And it's about giving Christ to those who don't yet know him. And we don't do that by pressuring, by pushing, by, by, by beating it over someone's head. We, we do that by blessing, 
by loving. In fact, if you know, and you, you probably, you know this passage, but you always think it's a wedding passage. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this. Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's certainly not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But somehow, some way, in every culture, for, I mean, this has happened for thousands of years, we take love and we turn it into what we feel. And I tell you, if you look at that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there's only two instances that have anything to do with feeling. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. All the rest have to do with how we behave. And last week, we talked about that man who came up to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit or to complete or to hold on to everlasting life? And Jesus says, you know, what's the law say? How do you read it? Love the Lord your God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says you answer correctly. Go and do likewise. And he goes, well, who is my neighbor? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And he says, it's not about who your neighbor is. It's about who are you being a neighbor to? So instead of how do I make it about me, how do I make it about other? Because the gospel is always about other. So love, if, if love your neighbor as you love yourself, that means that you need to be patient and kind and not envy. Don't boast. Don't be rude. Don't be self-seeking. It's other-seeking. Don't delight in evil. Rejoice in the truth. But if love doesn't fail then that's God's desire for his people on this planet. So we're going to challenge you. This thing is called bells. Bless, eat, listen, learn, be sent. Bells. It's the next five weeks. But I'm going to ask you, challenge you, three people per week. Find another person that you know is a believer, someone that you know is a Christian, and bless them. Find someone that you don't know. You don't know if they go to church. You don't know if they're a follower of Christ. You don't know if they're Buddhist. It doesn't matter. But find someone you don't know and bless them, encourage them, speak a kind word to them, stop and listen. And then pick one more. One more. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter how. But ask God every morning, show me what makes you smile. Show me where someone might need encouragement. It might be something huge. I was, and I, I want to warn you, don't do this because you'll get sucked into a vortex for two hours, maybe more. Uh, yesterday on YouTube, I was watching because I'm just trying to get my head around how, how, what are some more examples that I haven't already used. And, and it was restoring faith in humanity, random acts of kindness. And there's like a million of them just from last year. But there's one group of people that I saw, and it might, I don't know, I'm not saying God's going to ask you to spend thousands of dollars and go to Europe. Okay, I'm not. But, but there's just one I saw that these guys, these four or five friends had a, another friend who's never been out of a wheelchair in his entire life. Because he has, if I can remember this, muscular spinal atrophy. And so this man's 25, 26-year-old, full beard, the whole deal, but he's 75 pounds. And he's always been in this little wheelchair that he has to kind of move around just with his hand. And so his buddies are planning a trip to Europe, and he can't go. Because just, just hooking up to power and powering that thing up and all the special needs that he had. But they weren't willing to go without him. So they constructed a, you know how, how dads have the backpack and they hold the kids in it? They made one for their 75-pound, 26-year-old friend. 
And they took him up mountains. They took him on river cruises. They took him into museums. They took him into the town square. That guy had the time of his life. And those guys every day would shift off, taking the burden of their friend onto their own backs. And so they blessed him. They made him not miss the experience that all of these guys that have been friends for their whole lives, that's blessing. That's, that's not just saying good things about someone. That's doing good by someone else. Imagine what God could do through you just in your neighborhood, just at work. Imagine what God could do if you decided to pay attention to what God wants you to pay attention to. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, it says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, Paul talking to Philippi, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Whatever is good, whatever is noble, if anything is excellent, look at, the, look at that list. You know what that is? That's attention. That's what you decide to give your attention. And what God, we believe, is calling us to, because scripture says it, love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He wants us to pay attention to our neighbor. And who's your neighbor? Everybody. Here's the thing. You know that God loves you. You know that he adores you. You may struggle sometimes thinking that you've messed up, you've failed, you, you, he doesn't really know. Yeah, he does. But there are people that you know that don't know that God loves them because they think that God is like Christians. And we have a terrible reputation in our world right now. We're, we're, we're judgmental, we're angry. We want to shove our views down everybody else, everybody else's throat. We, we, we want everyone to be like us. And honestly, we don't like being like us a lot of the times. And some of that is deserved, but some of it's not. Gandhi said it this way. He said, I love your, I love your Jesus, but I can't stand, or I love your Christ, I can't stand your Christians. Never have a group of people that claim to follow a man resembled him so little. Oh, that's sad. But oh, how glorious it would be if each of us just every day woke up and said, Lord, who might I bless? I'm going to pay attention to what's good and right and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. And I'm going I'm to be patient and kind. And I'm not going to envy. I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be self-seeking. I'm going to seek out others because I want others to know that you didn't, I didn't seek you. You sought me. I want others to know not just who I am, but whose I am by being kind. Mr. Rogers, who's old enough to have seen that on TV? All right. All right. You know, there's a movie that just came out. Friday. I haven't seen it, but I've watched all kinds. I've seen the trailers. I've seen Tom Hanks interviewed. I've seen the guy who, who put the book, to, the screenplay together interviewed. The guy who interviewed Fred Rogers and learned about him. I've seen him interviewed. It looks like they're not just going to show who this Presbyterian pastor, or they're not just going to say who this Presbyterian pastor Fred Rogers was. They're going to show it. And in his book, Fred Rogers says there's a key to one of his, one of his two. Uh, the key to a happy life is, is, is three things. Be kind be kind, and be kind. And as hokey as Fred Rogers is, was, he's right. He's right. Imagine how the world will change if God's people are kind like God is. It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance, it says the scriptures. Imagine 
what it would be like if we decided to every day, Lord, give me your eyes to see. Let me see what you would want. It, I, had a, I got a, a text from a woman this week, a long text, about, I don't know if I can do 500 by June. That was for the whole church. See, it's like three a day. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But let me just share one of them with you. When she was at a grocery store, and, and she got there early because she had to pick someone up, from one, one, a kid from school. She's like, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get out, I'm going to take stuff home, then I'm going to go, and I'm going to pick up the kid. And, and she, she shows up to check out, and there's, there's one person with a basket right in front of her. It's a full, um, right in front of her. She's like, okay, she went there, and then it was taking a long time, so she pulled away. To go down, that's what I do. I switch lines and I always get the wrong one. Um, but she said, as I was moving away, it just felt like the Spirit was saying, go back. So I went back and it turns out there was an elderly lady with a crippled hand who was having trouble getting all of her groceries out of her, out of her basket, putting them up on the, on, the, on the belt. And so she decided to help. And then she helped her load it in. And then she sat with her as she called Freedom Village to have them come pick her up. And it's going through the, the woman's mind who's telling me the story that, well, I don't know what a woman that old needs with $250 in groceries, but I'm guessing she's feeding half of her friends at Freedom Village on Thanksgiving. But she, half an hour later, she left the grocery store. But she felt absolutely convinced that that's what she needed to do. I don't know what it will be for you, but I guarantee you that if you ask God to give you his eyes to show you what makes him smile, that he'll show you. But I'm going to give one challenge in particular, one of these three things. Because this is the most debilitating thing that any human deals with other than disease. But I think it might cause disease. A leading psychotherapist says that 80% of people that are in institutions, mental health institutions right now, will walk out the next day if they can understand both receiving and giving forgiveness. If they can recognize that they can be forgiven, have been forgiven by God, and that they would be able to forgive others, that they would walk out the next day. So if there's forgiveness, you've been denying. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Then I want to challenge you to stop denying forgiveness. Because as you hold on to a grudge, you get sick. You're drinking poison hoping the other person will get sick. And they never will. And you feel justified. Robert Morris, a guy I listened to, uh, he's a preacher, huge church, Gateway Church. It's like 20,000 members. I mean, he's just huge church, but he's really solid biblically. And and I like to listen to him because he just does it in a way that I don't. He's very slow, very methodical, and I'm a spass. God calls, he equips. But he he, he was, was, this is my word, he's talking about a brain worm. He's like, someone had wronged him deeply. And he was all up at night. He was running through it, rehearsing it in his head over and over and over and over again. And he said that the Lord said to me, stop. Yeah, but Lord, he was wrong. He wronged me. And he goes, of course he wronged you. That's why it's called forgiveness. You don't have to forgive someone who hasn't wronged you. You have to choose to no longer hold it against them anymore because it frees you and it blesses them. But if you withhold that blessing, It harms you. It actually gives the person who harmed you the ability to keep harming you when they're not even around. How silly is that? So if there's forgiveness you've been denying, let that be one of the three ways you bless someone this week. Because it's grace. You're going to give them what they don't deserve. And it's mercy. You're going to not give them what they do deserve. 
That's how God looks at you. That's how God treats you. That's how much God loves you. He seeks you. He forgives you. And that's the beauty of it, that even when you mess up, even if you do him wrong, even if you do someone else wrong, God says, I'm I'm choosing to no longer hold that against you. Gone are your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I bought you back. Let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. Folks, there's someone you work with. There's someone in your neighborhood that needs a pie. There are ways to say, you make a bunch of chocolate chip cookies and you can call your neighbor who you have never had a conversation with and you go, hey, I just made a bunch of cookies and I don't want to feel guilty, so could you come over here and eat them with me? Every one of us has a friend or someone that we're around that we call them, pastors call them EGRs, extra grace required. The person who takes over conversations that, you know what? And if you don't know someone like that, maybe you are it. (laughs) One of the reasons that people feel the need to always jump in is because often they're people that no one's ever listened to. What if you just stopped and you were patient? And you asked and you listened and you didn't rebut, you didn't try to fix, you didn't try to change anything. You just listened and loved because love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's seeking others. If God did not seek us, we're doomed. And if we're his people, shouldn't we behave like him? So this week, look for three. I bet you'll find three every day. Someone, that's a fe- someone who's safe. Someone who's a fellow believer. Someone that you have no idea. It's kind of dangerous. It might be your waitress. It might be someone down the street. It might be your enemy. Love your enemy. And love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. If they're your enemy, keep no record of wrongs, it's hard. I don't know who it's going to be. But the world will change, and our world desperately needs this right now. If kindness and patience, if love prevails. And I think it's happening, it's starting to happen all over the country right now. I have no idea that that many random acts of kindness are taking place. And God doesn't need you to give him credit for it. God will get glory because his people behave like him. Let's pray. Lord, give us your eyes for people. Show us how we might bless, how we might encourage, how we might be kind or patient. Give us the courage to ask you every morning to give us the vision to see what will make you smile and what will bless other people. We pray these things, not for our sake, but for yours. Not in our name, but in yours. Not for our glory, but for yours. Amen. Would you stand and receive God's good word? Now, we've been talking about blessing, to say good things about or to treat people in a good way. Every, at the end of every service in which I preach, you get a, a, a blessing that's been spoken over God's people for about 4,000 years. So 
God's desire, his plan, his hope for humanity has never changed. It remains the same. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance for you. It's a look on God's face. God smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ.